I'm Savannah Hutka with Hutka Farms in Westphalia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the latest USDA supply and demand report shows that cotton stocks, both here in the U.S. and worldwide, are on the rise. And as a result of that, cotton prices are dropping. We'll check in with Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson on that situation coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. BRD is a serious issue for the cattle business. When it comes to treating a sick animal, having the right setting can be helpful. I'm James Hunt and we'll discuss that on Texas Ag Today. On today's program, livestock grazing conditions across the state as hay prices escalate. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The dry weather is slowing down wheat planting here on the rolling plains, but farmers are ready to roll as soon as moisture arrives. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The recent USDA supply and demand report surprised the cotton market by increasing both U.S. and world cotton stocks. They reduced U.S. cotton production by 200,000 bales and lowered exports by 100,000, which resulted in an increase of domestic carryout of 2.8 million bales. But the world cotton numbers were even worse. USDA lowered cotton consumption by the top textile countries and increased world carryout by 3 million bales, now standing at 87.87 million. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says those world numbers are very negative for cotton prices. The size of the world change, you know, a 3 million bale increase is not trivial in all of it. One way or the other, all of it has to do with the consumption, lower consumption, whether it's the historical China stuff or the the trade categories and the domestic use changes. So, I mean, I don't see how you can't look at that sort of pessimistically. And those decreased consumption numbers are concerning because at this point in the growing season, we have a better handle on how much supply of cotton we're going to have. So demand becomes the biggest factor. Just given a calendar, you know, a month or two months ago, we could have said, you know, we're in a tug of war between uncertain demand and uncertain supply. Well, the supply picture obviously is firmer. It's going to get clearer going forward. So there's less and less of that side of the tug of war. So we're just left with this demand. How weak will the demand side be? 
So for now, it looks like dollar cotton is in the rearview mirror. Robinson says his current price projection is a 12-cent range from the low of 77 cents up to a high of 89 cents. We are winding down harvest on a few Texas crops for this fall. Sorghum harvest just about done, now standing at 95% complete. That is way ahead of the 83% five-year average. Corn harvest also well ahead of schedule. We're standing at 85% of the Texas corn crop now out of the field, ahead of the 79% five-year average pace. Cotton harvest now standing at about the one-third mark, 35% of the Texas cotton crop now harvested, 78% has open bowls. Now, the condition ratings on the Texas cotton crop continue to get worse every week. We now stand at 10% of the crop rated good to excellent, 18% rated fair, and 72% of the Texas cotton crop rated poor to very poor. BRD is a serious issue for the cattle industry. James Hunt tells us when it comes to treating a sick animal, having the right setting can be helpful. For feedyard operators in the Texas High Plains and around the country, bovine respiratory disease is a major concern. At the recent beef industry media event that Merck Animal Health conducted in Amarillo, BRD was a major focus as the company showcased new technology like one product we've discussed previously called SenseHub Feedlot. SenseHub Feedlot is designed to provide livestock producers with a means of early detection to identify animals needing treatment. Early detection can certainly aid in the care of an animal that has BRD, but at the Merck event, Dr. David Saklocha told me that those who are caring for a sick calf can accomplish a lot by providing what could be called creature comforts for the animal. Just good animal husbandry once they do arrive in the hospital pens, and I like to use the term hospital pen rather than sick pen because to me a sick pen indicates it's just a pen that you put sick cattle in and you walk away from. A hospital, to me, when I the few times I've been in a hospital, fortunately, I get specialized care. I get a lot of attention and I have my needs met to help my recovery. And so we have to promote that idea that it is a hospital pen. But doing simple things like making sure that the hospital pen is dry, that the calves have bedding, a lot of times that's something we miss. We think the pen's dry, so they don't need bedding. Actually, bedding provides a lot of comfort. Fresh feed, clean water, etc., shade, those are all things that we can do in the hospital to really help promote recovery. And once again, that was Dr. David Saklocha, a technical services veterinarian with Merck Animal Health. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pasture conditions picked up a bit after most of Texas received some rain this fall. Tom Nicoletti checks in with one Northeast Texas producer to see how pastures look in his area of the state. In the latest National Agricultural Statistics Service report, Texas range and pasture conditions were rated 57% fair to poor, with 29% at very poor. In the northeastern region of the state, cattle and hay producer Scott Clower assesses his region's conditions. Well, grazing conditions are still pretty good. I know we haven't had a significant rain here now in over a month. It's getting really dry. We're fading quickly. Pastures are seem to deteriorate really quickly here now. There's a dry. So I think feeding will start a little earlier just because of the dry conditions. And if you don't have enough pasture or if you're overstocked a bit, you're, you're going to start feeding hay pretty quick. 
I think I'm still going to be able to hold out with my pasture conditions probably three to four more weeks. Some people may have to go start feeding within the next two weeks, depending on our weather. We have a chance of rain this week, so if we can get a rain and some warmer weather, we make it hold out. So are you completed with your hay harvest at this point? We have 100 acres left. It's a not fertilized. It's just something I'm bailing for an emergency, so uh, it's going to be about a third of a normal cutting. When it comes to the price of hay, I'm guessing uh, that uh, anybody uh, out there looking for hay, they don't have hay, and they're, they're going to pay a premium price to, to get some. I see prices anywhere here from good coastal fertilized, 100 to $125 in this part of the state. Just depends on where you're at and who's got it and how much they have. But I'm going to say around 100 110 probably. It's going to be the price for good hay. About how much above normal is that? Considerable, $45 probably on average here. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The dry weather has slowed wheat planting on the Texas rolling plains. But Barry Mahler says farmers are ready to roll as soon as more moisture arrives. Even though we've had some relief from the hot weather of summer, the dry weather is still taking its toll on Texas. In normal times, we would see grain drills rolling to get the winter wheat crop planted right now. You know, early to late October is prime planting time. There is some limited dry planting going on, but not the big push that we're accustomed to. Winter wheat is a cool season crop, and it just does better when we break out of the 90-degree days and experience the cool evenings of October. One longtime wheat producer told me that if he could plant all of his wheat acres on one day, it would probably be October 15th. Now, the massive acres of wheat raised on the rolling plains can't be planted in one day, of course. But at the same time, uh, there is a shrinking time over the last uh, 10 to 15 years to get the crop done. And that's come because machinery size and technology has sped up the timeline considerably. And that's a good thing, especially when you get under the gun time-wise like we are this year. About this time of the year, it's not unusual to see multiple large air seeders running in one area planting huge acres in a day's time. I've experienced it myself when a few years ago from a high location on my farm, I could see 10 40-foot air seeders running in about a three-square-mile area. It's pretty impressive sight. There's a slight hint of dust and diesel smoke in the air, and as daylight fades, the lights come on and the progress continues into the night. I asked a neighbor a while back just how many of those big cedars there are in our area, and he said, well, I don't have a number, but they're enough that a task that used to take a month or so seems to only last a few weeks now. The ability to get it done quickly could be a lifesaver in years like this as it allows a speedy catch-up when the conditions finally change. The window for planting is large here, running from early September to early December. But as I mentioned, that mid-October timeline is preferable and it's fading away. But as always, our producers are the eternal optimists and will tell you that we could see it all turn around with the passage of the next cold front. Even though the input costs are still at record levels, the wheat market remains in the low $9 range. And that's a good enough reason to keep farmers optimistic and ready to get this crop in the ground. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. Helping to track a fish virus in Texas could land you a Bass Pro Shops gift card. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And protecting calves from disease requires an effective vaccination strategy. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. 
I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Protecting your calves from disease requires an effective vaccination strategy. Dr. Bob Judd outlines his suggestions for such a strategy. The first portion of a vaccination plan is to vaccinate the pregnant cows and replacement heifers in the last trimester of pregnancy so they can transmit immunity to the calves through colostrum or the first milk. Make sure all of the vaccines used are approved in pregnant cows. And generally, these vaccines are those that aid in prevention of infectious abortion in the cows and protect against shipping fever and scours in the calves. Nursing calves can be vaccinated at two to three months of age with kill vaccines, but will need to be boosted in two to four weeks to get protective immunity. The second dose of vaccine needs to be after the calves are over three months of age, so the immunity will last six to 12 months, depending on the vaccine. Preferably, all vaccinations should be performed at least three weeks before weaning the calves, as the stress of weaning will decrease response to the vaccine. And we really need the calves to be protected from disease at the time of weaning due to stress. And if the first dose of vaccine was a kill vaccine, the second dose must also be a kill vaccine, as kill vaccines may prevent infection of a future modified live vaccine, and it will not be effective. Other procedures like dehorning and castration should be performed three weeks before weaning as the calves will lose less weight and are less likely to get sick. There are lots of different vaccines available for cows and calves, and this is where consulting with your bovine veterinarian is really important. Different areas have different disease concerns. For example, the vaccine for a cow and calf in Amarillo is likely not the same as a cow and calf in Lufkin. So check with your local vet prior to buying your vaccine. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Helping to track a fish virus here in Texas could land you a Bass Pro Shops gift card. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is encouraging Texas anglers to report any bass they catch with black, inky spots on their skin on the My Catch app. The inky blotches are a symptom of blotchy bass syndrome, or BBS. The department is asking anglers to report cases of BBS to support research that is currently being conducted by the U.S. Geological Survey and West Virginia University. To encourage anglers to report BBS, Bass Pro Shops has donated hundreds of dollars in gift cards to the project to be used for weekly drawings for Texas anglers who report sightings. To be eligible for the $3,000 in gift cards specifically designated for Texas, anglers must submit photos of the fish, the name of the water body where the fish was caught, and the date of the catch to Cynthia Fox Holt at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. The deadline is December 31st. To date, blotchy bass syndrome has been found in 18 states, including Texas. BBS is associated with a virus. It produces black, ink-like spots on the skin of freshwater bass. Fish with BBS appear to be in great condition and actively feed. 
According to Texas Parks and Wildlife, the virus that causes BBS has never been identified in humans or in domestic pets. They say fish with BBS are safe to eat when they're properly cooked. Again, you can help scientists study the distribution and prevalence of blotchy bass syndrome by reporting the sightings on the MyCatch app. To be eligible for a Bass Pro Shops gift card, be sure to email photos and location data to cynthia.fox at tpwd.texas.gov. That is cynthia.fox at tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw red ink across the board in Friday's trade. Cattle, cotton, grains, all finishing the week lower on Friday. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A very negative day in the agricultural markets Friday. We ended up lower on cattle, cotton, and grains. Cattle market lower on both live and feeder cattle with one exception. That's the nearby October live cattle contract. It's a very lightly traded contract getting ready to go off the board soon. It was up 50 cents, closing at 146.95. Everything else lower with December live cattle down 15, 147.77. February live cattle down 60 at 151.10. Feeder cattle, same story. Lower across the board with October feeders down 95 cents, 173.80. November feeders down $1.32, 174.77. With January down $1.20, 175.10. Good week for the cash fed kettle trade. We put another dollar on the market. 145 was where our market was this week here in Texas. That's a buck higher than last week's average. Up north, dressed cattle traded mostly at $232. That's $2 higher than last week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 72 cents, $247.25. Select up $1.68 at $217.54. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's head down to the Colotch capital of Texas to Caldwell and talk to owner-operator Carl Herman. Carl, you sell on Wednesday. How'd the sale go this week? We had over 950 head uh, for 104 consigners and 44 buyers on the lower cow market and calf market. We had 150 cows and bulls yesterday, slaughter cows 30 to 65, slaughter bulls 65 to 85, stalker cows 550 to 1,200, and the pairs 800 to 10 and a quarter. On the steers, uh, two to what three weight steers, 150 to 215, three to four weights, 146 to 185, four to five weights, 150 to 170, five to six weight steers, 141 to 162, six to seven weights, 136 to 151, and the seven to eight weight steers brought 131 to 144. The heifer side, two to three weights. 
125 to 140. Three to four weights, 135 to 175. Four to five weight heifers brought 137 to 157. Five to six weights, 137 to 156. Six to seven weights, 125 to 142. And the seven to eight weights, 120 to 165. Now, you mentioned the drag of Charlays that you said were as good as walk. How did they sell? They sold real good. Uh, they've been weaned since July. They weighed uh, in the sevens. I think they averaged, I think the steers averaged like 975 and the heifers 903. Good. Yeah, that was a pretty good ticket. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale. My number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner, 540-8676. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished mixed on Friday. Nearby October hogs down five, ninety-three thirty-seven. The December up a dollar sixty-five at eighty-two twenty-five. Class three milk was lower Friday. October down ten cents, twenty-one seventy-nine a hundred weight. November milk down sixty-six at twenty fifty a hundred. A higher dollar putting pressure on the cotton and grain markets in Friday's trade. December cotton dropped 164 points, 83.15. March cotton down 150 points, 81.99. While December 23 cotton was down 56, closing the week at 75.65 cents. Same story in corn and wheat. That higher dollar always spooks these markets because, of course, it makes it harder to export these commodities when the dollar is stronger. December corn dropped eight cents, six eighty-nine and three quarters. March corn down eight and three quarters, six ninety-six and a quarter. Hard and soft wheat seeing big losses in Friday's trade. December Kansas City wheat down thirty cents, nine fifty-two and a quarter. December Chicago wheat down thirty-two and a half. At 8.59 and three quarters. In the energy markets, November natural gas down 26 cents at 6.47. November crude oil down 3.38 at 85.73 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Friday afternoon. The Dow was down 395 points, 29,643. The Nasdaq down 327 at 10,321. The S&P down 85 points. 3,584. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.